Welcome back to the Non-Standard 14er Podcast, the podcast that talks about everything the route description leaves out about hiking Colorado's 14ers. I'm Short Rope Stifler, and beside me is Jason Jack. Howdy. Today we're doing another Zoom podcast. We have two guests, and we're talking about the topic of the four great traverses in Colorado. So we're talking about the ridge running traverses between El Diente and Mount Wilson, the Crestone Traverse, the Little Bear Blanca Traverse, and the Maroon Bells Traverse. We have joining the podcast again, Josh Coleman, who is on a recent episode called The Needle about his uh, fall off of Crestone Needle. He's back again to talk about the four great traverses. So welcome back, Josh. Thank you. It's very good to be back. I appreciate the invite. And then we have a new guest, Ellen, who is a podcast fan. Uh, she is a Californian who has bagged how many? 40-some 14ers this summer. Uh, she did all the four great traverses. And a lot of them she does, does uh, from the car in a single day. She did uh, the Crestone Traverse and the Little Bear, Blanc Little Bear Blanca Traverse in two days. Uh, welcome, Ellen, to the podcast. Uh, thanks. I'm really happy to be a guest on one of my favorite podcasts. Um, and like you said, I was really lucky to spend last summer in Colorado uh, doing a bunch of 14ers, including the Great Traverses. So looking forward to talk about them. Thanks, Ellen. Yeah, so we... Uh, there was a pod, we didn't want to promote our own podcast, but someone had done a thread on 14ers.com about podcasts they're listening to, and Ellen was the one chimed in and gave us a shout out. Oh, was that you, Ellen? Thank yeah, that you. Was Ellen. That's awesome. Very cool. And then we uh, looked at her profile on 14ers.com and snooped around some of her, all her trip reports, and she has this, she did both traverses. She did the uh, Crestone Traverse and Little Bear Blanca Traverse in like two days. I don't know how she did That's it. insane. So I figured we'd just have a good conversation. You finished all four, right, Josh? I have done all four, yeah. So when I read when I read Ellen's post, I I, I tell you that's that's impressive, and I, I believe she did the uh, Crestone Traverse solo. Yeah, I read, which is crazy. She uh, she's definitely a savage. We'll do it. Jason's done a good year. He he did uh he did the non Traverse of the Crestones in a day. Oh, really? Fast ball on the overbroken hand. Yeah, knocked them both out in one day. I was with, with a group that not, not everyone was kind of on the same level and page and, you know, yeah. kind of revert to what everybody's comfortable with. And, you know, one day I'll go back to the Traverse, but this was kind of fun just to say we've done it this way. Did you do it from the, uh, the trailhead or did you camp up? We camped. That's a good question. So we camped up um, just below the lake. So we got a little yeah. bit of a start, but. I think car to car was almost 8,000 vert. Yeah. <laughs> it was like 6,000 on summit day. So it was, it was a huge day. I, it would like be nothing short of superhuman to do both. Well, Ellen. I, I know it. I know a guy that did the Crestones without the traverse in a day from the bottom. Oh my oh. gosh. Wow. Yeah. I'd like to buy that guy. Yeah. That's amazing. That's, that, that could be torturous. We, we had a blast reading your trip reports, uh, Ellen. And so yeah. I guess, uh, you're in California? Yeah, I am now. And you just figured COVID was a good time to come to Colorado and just bag some of our 14ers or what? Yeah, it's kind of a long story. So like in April, I was moving back to San Francisco where I normally live after an overseas placement and I was in Airbnb. And then a week into that, everything fell apart and the sky started falling. So... <laughs> I decided to not find a long-term lease and instead go live with my parents in Frisco, um, which I thought was only going to be for a little while. And then it got to be hiking season and it was just like an incredible experience to be in Colorado hiking. So I decided to stay through the summer. 
and I just moved back. And have you done a 14er before that, before this year? I just did two last year, Grays and Tories. <laughs> so you're like <laughs> far from finishing, and you did that all this summer? Yeah, I did 46 this summer. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> Someone caught the bug. That's, That's awesome. awesome. Yeah, definitely solo, got addicted. Right? Yeah, most, most of them solo. Not the traverses, except for Crestones, but I wish that I hadn't gone solo back then. <laughs> At what point in the journey did you say, I want to do the four great traverses? After I had done two of them, then it, it seemed to be in reach and it seemed to be a cool thing to do. I originally did the Bell's Traverse first, which this is not, this is not a very good reason to do it, but my original motivation is because I only had two parking passes for Marin Lake. <laughs> And like, you shouldn't pressure yourself into doing it because of parking passes. <laughs> um, but I went with another group that was doing the Traverse. And when I got there, it, it didn't seem to be too bad. I did a lot of research beforehand and ended up having a good time. It's awesome. Yeah, the Maroon Bells was my first too, my first Traverse. Oh. Did you go south slopes to Maroon first and then across to north? Oh, yeah, yeah. south slopes to north. Yeah. Same here. What is that now with that jump now, since that one rock broke off a couple years ago, how bad is that little catwalk section? It's really kind of narrow. Have you guys both seen that video, by the way? I'm sure you have. Yeah. It is harrowing. It's one of the most frightening mountain videos I've ever seen. The guy hops and the rock he hopped from just slides that off. Yeah, and then he looks back like, oops. <laughs> and it's like something out of an action movie, like the cameraman's running backwards as fast as he can as yeah. it's crumbling in front of him. <laughs> it's pretty wild. Yeah, I didn't actually find that part, so I don't know where it was. Hmm. Well, how long did it take you to do the Maroon Bells Traverse? I mean, it's only 650 yards. Can't be that hard, right? I think it took like three hours, maybe two and a half. And so how are the spire, spire sections? Well, there's three spire sections. What's the worst part of the Traverse? Probably just those, those three difficulties that are identified um, in the route description. Uh, I mean, they are like some pretty difficult scrambling if you don't have like rock climbing experience. Um, so you have to kind of think about how you're gonna get up there and test your holds and everything. Yeah, for me, it was definitely the route, kind of the route finding, you know, in the middle of the traverse. And when we went, we went in fall and it was kind of, it was kind of icy. Hmm. My climbing partner and I, we were the only ones on the traverse. It kind of felt like a different world. It was a, my first traverse. It was in the Maroon Bells. You know, almost felt like I was on Mars a little bit. We just it felt like we were on a different planet. But definitely the route finding, just trying to stay on track. I think that's why it, it takes so long because you want to really be on track because you kind of climb over some spires and stuff. And there's Karens everywhere. And, and some of them I didn't, you know, you don't trust. And you just got to be very careful. Anyways, when we got to North Maroon, you know, I, I, we were just on cloud nine. It was our first traverse. But when we, were, we went down about 200 yards and a guy had fallen and uh, bad. And I mean, blood everywhere. The guy could barely move. And oh my God. that day that we were watching the Blackhawk going back and forth until like around 630, they got him. Did he fall off of North Maroon, like trying to go down North Maroon? Yeah, he fell somewhere on, on North Maroon. When we went down, there was a group of people. This was in um, August of 2014. And we went down and um, 
some of the people they came up to us and they said, Hey, listen, this guy in our group had fallen. I think he had busted his jaw or something. It was just a lot of blood. And uh, they said, you know, please go down. We've got rest, a ground rescue coming up. If you can let them know where we were at. That's when reality hit in, you know, cause we're, riding on, you know, cloud nine, we just finished the traverse and it's like, okay, now th- th- this is real. And, um, but he ended up, getting, you know, getting rescued. It, it took a while. I think they had to get him to like a certain elevation and for the Blackhawk or, you know, to a, a good platform for the Blackhawk to get him. But they ended up getting him. I feel like that – actually, it's interesting. There's a thread going right now on the dot-com. I'm sure you guys have seen about the Traverse and someone's asking questions. But a lot of the people that are chiming in are saying that, you know, descending North Maroon is actually, like, not to be overlooked. Like, I feel mm-hmm. like that tends to be kind of the consensus that, like, yes, you know, yeah. you have the spires and you have the route funny, you have the exposure, but a lot of people turn it off mentally when they're on North Maroon. And that's, like, mm-hmm. that's not to be taken lightly. So did either of you experience that as you were coming down, like – navigating one of the most difficult 14ers basically blind because you hadn't gone up it yeah it was difficult and we didn't turn it off because we were paying attention and it was still pretty difficult to find a crossover between i think there's two goalies and it's also just extremely loose and really unpleasant and like it's it's easier to walk down loose dirt than up so i was just really glad to not have gone up that and pretty high consequence if you miss those gullies. And I know that was nearly your experience. So did either of you have route finding difficulties on the way down or was it well marked for you guys? It, it wasn't well marked at all. It was pretty hard to find. We were kind of like grouped up with another group and they they were like a little bit ahead of us. And I think they were about to go wrong. So, so we had to yell at them not to go where they were going. Go down too far, right? We climbed up North Maroon and we knew that crossover was coming. So we put a yellow puffy uh, down jacket right at that turnoff to know so we didn't descend too far. And damned if we, we got to talking about the Broncos and we descended 50 yards below our puffy and then realized we were below it. We had to turn around and up climb back to our puffy where we, we crossed over to that gully. Yeah, I just remember, you know, it was, it, it's, you know, going down North Maroon, it's, it's kind of a mental game because you've got to really concentrate on each step. You know, I remember taking a lot of, uh, you know, little steps because of the loose, the loose rock, you know, but we got to a point where we were about halfway down North Maroon and I think it was Aspen rescue group that was heading up and they, they pointed the right direction. So for us, pretty easy, you know, but it was definitely a mental challenge and just challenging, you know, step by step just to be careful. If you guys were to do it again, knowing what you know now, would you go north to south or south to north? Definitely south to north. I don't really see why anyone goes north to south because all of the hard parts are on the up climb. So if you go the opposite way, you're going to be down climbing all of the hard parts. It's not the crestones like the crestones where there's only like one hard part where you could repel it and then you're home free. This is like a bunch of difficult climbing in the south to north direction and none in the opposite direction. I agree with her, but I would like to maybe one day just do north maroon um, up and back uh, just to get that experience to climb up north maroon and then back down. I hadn't hadn't done that yet. I, I wouldn't mind doing that someday. Jay still needs it, so yeah, that's on our list next summer. Trying to get yeah. a permit, better reserve one now. <laughs> well, give me a call. I may, I may join you guys. 
would love that. So it took you three hours, Ellen? Uh, yeah, I didn't check my photos to see if it was two and a half or three, but we took our time. And Josh, how long did it take you? You know, I, I don't know. It took a while. Uh, <laughs> it, was quite, it was kind of funny because my, the climbing partner that I was with, he's a better climber than I. And um, I kind of used him as the guinea pig to go up, you know, up the spires and, you know, kind of figure out the route in, in the traverse. And, you know, towards the last of it, he, he looks back and he says, well, why, why do I always got to climb up first? <laughs> you're the better climber, now get up there. So, no, it took a while, though, just, just being careful on where we were going. But I'd say probably about three hours. And is there any climbing on the Traverse that's any different than just the standards on the bells? Is there anything harder on the Traverse than the hard moves that you have to do on the way up north or south Maroon? I think it's harder, um, you know, because when you're in the Traverse, it's such a, to me, it was a very, just a very rocky Traverse where you can't see past. So you've got to kind of trust you know, on certain points of going up, trust, you know, you, you just got to make a commitment to go up to get to the next part. So, you know, that that's kind of our experience. So you would like with us, we'd get up, get up to the next part. And I think it was probably the spires or, or whatever, but, and then, you know, we would go a little ways and then you got to climb a little bit more up and, you know, you're kind of blind climbing up. And um, to me, that was, you know, I thought that was more difficult. Because we didn't want to climb up in an area and then be in a bad spot. But, you know, you just kind of had to have some faith. <laughs> you know. I thought the climbing moves themselves, for me at least, were actually pretty difficult. Because that's the first time that I've ever done a low class five scrambling. Mm -hmm. um, and in some places it was overhanging or completely vertical. So that, that was like the hardest climbing I had done then and even now, actually. Hmm. Of all four, you think? For you? Uh, yeah, in terms of the climbing moves, that's the hardest one. Mm -hmm. so, so neither of you started the Traverse thinking you'd do all four great Traverses. Do you actually even know about the four great Traverses when you started down climbing South Maroon? Yeah, I, I knew about them. Um, yeah. the, the Traverses have always intrigued me. I mean, that's exposure, excitement. And, you know, when I started the Traverses, I knew about all four of them. Actually, I wasn't even sure that I was going to do the Bells Traverse because I thought was like leaving open the option of just going back over South Maroon. And because of that, I made sure that there were two other people with me that were doing the Traverse so that that way I could go over South Maroon if I wanted to without forcing them to skip the Traverse also. Okay, so once you did the Maroon Bells, what was the next one on your list, Ellen? Um, then I just did the Wilson El Dinte Traverse just because I had a scheduled trip to the San Juans then. And how did that was, that, that's the only one Jason and I have done. We did the El Diente and Wilson, what, two summers ago? At least, yeah, maybe three summers now. Yeah. And, did, and did you go El Diente to Wilson, uh, Mount Wilson, Wilson Peak, Mount Wilson? I think so. Um, if that's like the one where you're going rightwards as you come up from Kilpacker. So you went Kilpacker, yep, Kilpacker up to El Diente first and went over? Yeah. I think that's the standard way to do it. I did it the standard way. That's how we did it. How I did it too. Kilpacker to. How did you do the whole group then, Josh? Did you do Mount Wilson and Wilson Peak in different trips? Yeah, different trips. Yeah, we did um, Mount Wilson probably about a year earlier and then went back and did um, El Diente Wilson. 
Yeah, actually, I was as I was driving over to San Juan's overnight, I was listening to you guys' podcast about Wilson Group Logistics. Nice. And I felt very happy that you guys came to the same conclusion about doing the Traverse and um, Wilson Peak on separate days. I just did them one day after the other. Perfect. Uh, without without backpacking, just from Rock of Ages and Kilpaka. Oh, you went, so you actually never entered into the Navajo Basin then? No. Which is how I would do it if I would do it again. Going to Tellier, I get a hot meal. Do it from Kilpacker the next day. Or Rock of Ages. Kilpacker, yeah, and then Rock of Ages the second day. Yeah. How did you find our podcast, Ellen? We're kind of flattered that you're one of our fans. Where did I find that? I think it was on 14ers.com somewhere. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. And then she, <laughs> in her trip report for Snuffles, she has the what the nine rings of Snell or what's the what's yeah. <laughs> And so how long did it take the uh we, it took us about three hours to do El Diente uh, Traverse. Do you know how long it took you guys? You know, it was, me, uh, I'd say probably around the same. Um, you know, I, I like that one. The, the thing about that Traverse for me was just the, the views. You know, I didn't, I didn't feel like it was anything dangerous. Um, it, it was a long Traverse, but the views were just amazing that day. And that's what really got me. That's, that's the memorable thing to me about El Diente Wilson. I, I thought it was a good entry-level traverse because almost at any point within the traverse, if you really had to bail, you could. It'd be yeah. hairy, but with the exception of that one kind of like catwalky area, um, if you were in a bad spot, you could bail. You'd want to make sure you did it into the right basin. But, I mean, there's really – I thought the biggest risk factor on that was just the rock was horrifically loose. I thought it was looser on the Traverse, the Wilson Traverse and on Capitol. But I, I thought it was like kind of a mellow, really nice entry into the Traverses. Did you guys have a, the same experience with that one? Yeah, it was definitely pretty mellow. I mean, it's not like super challenging, I guess. Uh, so it, it's, if you were to try to go from easiest to hardest Traverse, you should definitely start with Wilson. And it's, not like really another level besides the other 14 or standard routes. I thought the trickiest part during that, that traverse is going down Wilson. I thought that was probably the hard part for me, just going down Wilson. I thought it was very loose rock, oh. pretty steep, steep, you know. Oh, yeah. Actually, going down Mount Wilson, the second one, I was not alone. And me and my partner were tried three different goalies, and they were all wrong. And then with the help of the party behind us, then we found the right goalie. So yeah. finding the right goalie to go down is like a problem on a, every time. Yeah, it's Wilson, like El Diente to Wilson, you, if, you know, if I were to say something, Wilson's no joke. You got to be very careful on Wilson going down is what I feel. I, I thought the traverse was a little um, less difficult and, and intimidating than I was anticipating. However, that last move on Wilson's summit block was way more intimidating than I was prepared for. For me, yeah, exactly the same. Um, that was, I think, the most, like, the highest pucker factor I've had so far on 14 or of, like, pulling yourself up over that kind of refrigerator-sized rock that's guarding the summit. Um, yeah. A couple hundred feet of actual sheer exposure on either side. That, that was pretty spicy. And part of me was wondering if we were off or out, but come to find out that was actually – the right way to be going up that. So that was kind of my spiciest moment, I think, on the 14 or so far. 
Yeah, that was also a pretty difficult move for me. Um, partly, I think, because I don't have any rock climbing background. Uh, my partners who actually do rock climbing in the gym or on you know, rock climbing routes, they have a lot easier time on that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So that was three hours. So three hours on the bells, three hours on El Diente. Now, I just checked my photos. It's two hours on El Diente for me. Two hours even? Uh, just about two hours. Wow, we took us three. That was did it? Yeah, wow. it was just slow about. going for me too. Although, I I noticed on Wilson El Dente, some people were like staying on the ridge crest, um, and so if you stay on the ridge crest, it probably would be slower because it's harder. Um, I actually just followed the route description, which does say to drop down, so then it might be easier. Ah, uh, okay. We, we dropped down just slightly. I think he calls it the organ pipe organ. Those yeah. like jagged gendarmes. We were like just mm-hmm. below the ridge crest on that. But the because if you follow the ridge proper, you're just climbing one spire after another. So we dropped down for those. But other than that, we followed ridge proper. So that may be the discrepancy. That's what we did too. Okay, so that's the first two. Maroon, El Diente. Third one was you did Crestones. Crestones? Ella? Yeah, yeah, that was my third one. And then two days later, you did Blanca, Little yeah. Bear? Yeah. What kind of stupid idea machine. was that? That's amazing. <laughs> well, normally I do back-to-back. So this time I took a day off because it was a holiday weekend, three-day weekend. And I only <gasps> climbed the first and third day. This Labor Day? Yeah. Jeez. Was, it, was there almost part of you that was like, I'm in the zone, like I'm just going to get it over with while my I'm numb to exposure? And, like, was that part of Yeah, your, I mean, it was... It was it was kind of like that because it was just like the end of a whole summer of 14ers. So I was like really in practice and there was really good weather that weekend. Yeah. Uh, I so didn't have to, I didn't have to be off any summit by noon. It was totally fine. Um, and so, so you, was like you know, you listen to your trip report. There's a bunch of great links to other people's trip reports and route descriptions. So can we talk, let's talk about that story. So you woke up at 2 a.m. from Frisco and drove to Crestone. Yeah, I don't think I slept before that, though. I don't remember exactly. Can I ask a quick question while we're on that? I've noticed yeah. that maybe it's just a coincidence, but it seems to be your preference to do these as day hikes. Is there a reason you don't seem to camp before them or seem to kind of prefer doing them in one go? Well, I have never backpacked in my life. Even um, still? Even what? Sorry? Even still? Right now, I haven't. Um, <laughs> I plan to start next summer. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, so it's just that I, I could get that far without backpacking, but now I've kind of reached the limit of what I can day hike. Actually, in California, there is someone who has day hiked the SPS list, which you've never heard of, but it's a lot of really difficult climbs, kind of like the 14ers, except some of them are 50 miles. I <laughs> day hike those. But yeah, anyway, I haven't, I haven't day hiked yet. I didn't. I don't have the gear for it yet, but I will accumulate it by next summer. Does it count as a day hike if you just don't go to sleep? If you're doing a 50 mile hike and you just do it over the course of two days without going to sleep, is that still a day hike? Crazy. That's a good question. <laughs> I don't know. So take us to that ship report. That's a great story. So you get up really early or don't sleep at all and drive from parents in Frisco to, to the town of Crestone, and you came in from the Cottonwood approach. Yes. Which is exceptional. I. I did um, the needle from that approach and was really pleased with it. Yeah, I think it's a really nice approach. Um, both sides are good. 
Um, in the trip report, I kind of put like some factors for deciding between those two approaches. Um, I think it's pretty nice to do both if you have the opportunity to in your 14er journey. And both you're talking about the South Colony, which is between Crestone and Humboldt, and then the other side, Crestone, a Cottonwood approach. Yeah. And so you got the trailhead real early in the dark and had it. It wasn't, it actually wasn't super early because I know that there was no weather. So I started like only shortly before sunrise at like five. And so you went up and saw that there's a nice little waterfall there, two waterfalls in that approach, right? Little one. Yeah. And then you cross those boilerplate stones. And then you kind of get into, kind of take a left turn into the, into the kind of the drainage, right? Where you run into kind of that head wall. We have that waterfall and an amazing shot of the needle. Yeah, it's really beautiful there. And then you, mm -hmm. so what time did you hit the Red Gully then? Do you remember? 9 th 9.30. Yeah, I hiked pretty slow. But I just take a really long time. And so the summit of Crestone Peak was, remember? Noon. And then you got to what, the needle about 3.30? Uh, so it's kind of a funny thing. I got there at like 3.50 because I like kind of ran out of energy in the middle and had to like take a lot of really long breaks, which was kind of scary to be bonking like at the bottom of the traverse. Um, so my, my time was three and a half hours on the traverse, um, which is really slow. I think most people would go faster. But, yeah. So for those of our listeners who haven't read your trip report, which you guys should, if you haven't, it's, I think, one of the better ones I've read. You, you said that one of the parts was a little overhyped and one of the parts was a little underhyped. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? Yeah. Uh, so I said that the 5.2 move is overhyped. Um, and like I said, I don't know rock climbing at all, but this was kind of like something that I can just do it and it doesn't like really require a lot of experience or, or knowledge or rock climbing shoes or anything like that. And maybe it was just me who was over hyping it because class five, it kind of sounds scary, but it was no problem in the end and it's not exposed. The knife edge, I thought it was underhyped, like I'm not even very sensitive to exposure, but that felt really exposed to me. Um, and it was very smooth. Um, and it didn't seem very hard to fall. Meaning there weren't very many contours to kind of catch you if you did fall or smooth like the holds? Like the very top of the knife edge was like slippery. So okay. it felt easy to slip off. Hmm. I felt that way on Capitol's Knife Edge too, where it was almost like buffed out along where everybody had scooted. <laughs> There's so many people that like smoothed it out. And then didn't you lose your helmet on the on the traverse? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I accidentally, so when I was bonking at the bottom of the traverse and trying to rest and recover, I was just sitting down and accidentally kicked it down. But it didn't go all the way down to Cottonwood Lake, thankfully. <laughs> And did you recover your helmet or did you? Yeah, I, yeah, I got it back. <laughs> is the Crestion Traverse more of a run on the ridge like the other three? Or is it more of a dropping down a fair amount and kind of coming? Yeah, it drops down a fair amount. It's kind of like there's not even much of a line between doing them both separately and doing the Traverse. Huh. Because if you do them separately, you don't have to go down to 10K. You only go down to 12K. And then if you do the traverse, 
then you do drop down to like 11.5 or something. So it doesn't even look that much different. Oh, I didn't realize you dropped that much elevation on the traverse. Uh, well, I, fo I followed the route description. Um, let me check and see how far it drops. You do go, I was surprised to see how low the turnoff was. Like it's like almost halfway down the Red Gully. Oh, really? You yeah. don't just kind of go off the summit? No. You don't go off the summit? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, I didn't realize that. So you backtrack down the Red Gully a fair amount. Mm -hmm. And then kind of weave your way through those. And you did a similar thought, Josh? Yeah, well, you know, you know my story about <laughs> that last time I was on the Crestones. <laughs> so, but I, I will tell you, the, the Crestone Traverse, for me, you know, one of my favorite parts is the fact that the rock is solid um, on, on the Crestones. I, I agree with Ellen on that 5-2 move. It's just an awkward move. It's nothing, nothing major. I really got a thrill um, on the last part that I guess it's called the head wall where you're actually kind of rock climbing up, but you've got really good handholds. It's very exposed to your back. So a slip you're, you're, could be, you know, you're, you're done. But, you know, that type of climbing, that rock climbing, and just going up a sheer face back up to the needle, you know, was, I really enjoyed that, that peak of that traverse. So, you know, the Crestone Traverse is one of my favorites, especially that part. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a tiring route. You've got to be physically fit, you know, because you're going up Crestone Peak. And then, like Ellen said, you've got you've to descend quite a bit make that turn off to get into the traverse and then start making your way up the needle. So, you know, that the crest stones for me were my last traverse. So, and then of course coming down the needle for me was disastrous. <laughs> we got through about that. <laughs> a great episode for, for our listeners to go back to if you haven't already heard it. Um, yeah. That, that Josh, was you who you fell down the goalie on crest stone needle. Oh yeah. I did it. Sorry, oh my God. Yeah. introduce you, Ellen. Yeah, it was him who fell and wrote the book, The Needle. Have you read it yet? No, I haven't read the book, but I listened to the podcast. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> I climbed Crestone Needle before I did the Crestone Traverse. And we climbed it successfully. I am super bad with directions. And, you know, I get confused. And so when we did the Traverse, we were the only ones on, that, on the Traverse the whole day, on both summits the whole day. And we got kind of sucked into the wrong gully and down the needle because um, I'm bad. That's my weakness when it comes to hiking is I'm bad with direction. And we went back down the wrong gully and, it, you know, it specifically says, you know, if you go down the wrong gully, you can die <laughs> in a bad spot. And I fell 100 feet and oh, man. edging. It took about eight hours to rescue. So, wow. that's so I, do, I did love the traverse. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, Josh, on, a, on a more serious note, I really do commend you for being willing to come back on here not once but twice and relive this and talk about it and share your experience. Oh, yeah. It's, I know a lot of people in your same situation wouldn't be as uh, brave, for lack of a better word. So thank you. Well, I appreciate being on here. And, you know, if I could just plug the search and rescue people out there that are out there to, to, to save us when we get into situations like that, that's a, you know, they are just good volunteer just great people great human beings and you know i owe my life to them and my climbing partner that day so and to your point josh again same thing with maroon you didn't go up the north maroon nor did you go up the needle so you're down climbing something you haven't seen again right you trouble finding uh finding the right gully ellen 
So I did, I managed to find it without like much trouble, but it's kind of because I was really aware of this issue and was paying really close attention and had done research. So like, I didn't personally have a problem with it, but I can definitely see how it causes a lot of problems. Was our podcast with Josh part of your research that made you aware of that, <laughs> that issue? Not quite, because I actually listened to that one going up Lake Como Road. Oh, <laughs> two, awesome. on, two days later. Two days later, yeah. That's kind of our uh, superstition with, uh, we never read the maroon bell sign, which is replaced again now. It says like the deadly bells, you know, it's rotten loose. We never read that sign until we're down. That's part of our like. <laughs> right. yeah. I thought the, the root finding on the needle was surprisingly difficult. And root finding is, I, I would think a strength of mine. And I was shocked at how hard it was. Everything kind of looks the same. And it's just like, vertical maze of different gullies and somebody I always rag on people for leaving caution tape because it's totally against leave no trace and somebody had left caution tape and I was like secretly kind of quietly grateful that they did I don't know that I would have found my way out the west gully without it and I was like hyper vigilant and looking for it had I not seen the caution tape I may have gone a little bit too low so yeah that's very very easy to do it's interesting that you mentioned timing on that about, you know, dropping low and then having to weave through. I it was kind of an experiment of ours when we did both in one go without the traverse. There were enough groups doing the traverse that day that we could kind of gauge which one was longer. And there was one party that was about the same experience level and fitness level as us that we were on the summit with. And they took off to do the traverse and we went the long way and we stopped at um, Cottonwood Lake to uh, filter water and take a lunch break and, all that. And we met up with them. They had just come off the summit of the needle when we were kind of coming up that last section. So they were maybe a half hour ahead of us. As well. huh. So it really is not a ton different in terms of time. I think you save a little bit of distance and you get that thrill and the adrenaline, but in terms of way more, it's way more efficient, right? From like a distance standpoint, but time kind of a toss up we found. And who knows how much time they spent on the summit. Right. I mean, that's, that's a little, they could have spent an hour and a half on the summit. Who knows? But we found it to be pretty close, which I did not expect. I didn't realize it dropped that much elevation. Yeah. Cause I want to compare it to the traverse on Harvard and Columbia, which is not one of the four great ones, but it's a not so great traverse. Yeah. You've done that one. <laughs> the Harvard Columbia traverse. Yeah. The not great traverse. <laughs> Josh, did you ever do that one? <laughs> so Harvard, Harvard and Columbia was like the second or third climb after my fall. And I got up oh, wow. halfway through the traverse to Columbia and got a little panicked. And my climbing partner went to Columbia. I went back Harvard. I wasn't, I wasn't feeling right in the head, you know? Yeah. I mean, that, I don't blame you. That it's not as easy yeah. as it looks actually. No, I wasn't ready for that Harvard. after that fall. So. But even as a, as a watch range, you think it's not Gray's and Tories. Like, I thought it was like Grays and Tories. You just run over, scamper over a class one trail and you're, you bag two 14ers for the price of one. It's, it took us three hours at least. You kind of reminded me of the, the daily saddle up to K2, which just had like endless talus. Yeah. Tons of talus to weave through and the root finding. It's like a little like, uh, like black hole, like a little vortex. Like the root finding in there is pretty difficult. And you got to lose a lot of elevation. Yeah. I think you, you both. 12.8 or 12.3 or mm -hmm. a lot of elevation. We added post-hauling and 60-mile-an-hour wind stars to make yeah, it, it even more pleasant. 
So continue. So you get down from the needle. And so you reconnected down the needle, down the Cottonwood Lake, reconnected yeah. with the Cottonwood approach, and then went all the way out and back home, back to Frisco. Yeah. That's quite a day. <laughs> <laughs> and what slept how many hours? 12 hours. <laughs> but that was two nights worth of sleep. And then how long did you wake up and then you decide, well, I got to go head back down to the, to the Sangres and do the uh, Little Bear? Because you took a photo of the traverse, you can see the traverse, little bear, Blanca traverse from the crest ends. Yeah, I think. In your I mean, if I was smart, maybe I would have just camped out there and not driven all the way back. But I wasn't going to be hiking those two back to backs. That was didn't do anything on Sunday, so I just went home. <laughs> and so on Monday, then you headed down to Lake Como Road and decided to bag the other bad traverse in Colorado. Yeah, except, I mean, it was planned in advance because that one is, is so hard. I definitely wasn't going to do it alone. So I arranged to have a partner on Little Bear. So so it wasn't on a whim. <laughs> were you able to hike up Lake Como Road or drive up a ways, or did you do it from the bottom? I did it from the bottom. Um, <laughs> probably because, yeah. You're a sadist. Yeah. That's, in, that's incredible. Wow. We got to 10,000 in his truck. And we hiked in, camped, and then did just Little Bear by itself, and it was a big day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh, I don't know. Like, smart, the smart people should camp there. Like, I like Como, yeah. yeah. Thanks for making us realize we're majorly slacking on this stuff. We've got to do them all in one day now, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we did, we did, we did Castle Conundrum, and then we did Mount Princeton in the same day. We did a midnight hike in Princeton. We did all of our stupid ways to do it. You did all four of those mountains in one day. It was just so stupid. We were up there. That was the trade-off. Was Chris, I was going to repeat Castle Conundrum for him because it was like his 56th and 57th. And then he was going to do North Maroon with me because I needed that while we were in Aspen. Well, it was right at the beginning when they started enforcing all the stupid, you know, oh, sorry, we're full stuff. And so we get up, we climb Castle Conundrum and we make our way up up to the ranger station and they're like yeah sorry we're we are sold out for the weekend and uh tough luck guys and i'm like so should we just turn around and go back to Wait, denver and he's like there's a there's a limit on castle and conundrum no no, no this was maroon after. we didn't castle oh, conundrum okay. and we we're gonna try to hike in that same night to camp by the lake or above the lake for north maroon the next day yeah we were oh. yeah we'd done those two that morning and we were gonna backpack in in the afternoon oh. And uh, we were turned around at the ranger station. He told us tough luck. And I was, I was frustrated and kind of feeling down and wanting a little bit more of a suffer mm. fest. And so I'm like, let's go do Princeton on the way home. And so we started hiking Princeton at like over Independence Pass. Yeah. yeah. Over Independence Pass. We had a beer and burger in Aspen. Yeah. Wow. Enough so you, did, so you did Princeton at night, like right after doing Castle of Conundrum? Yeah. We started yeah. at like, wow. Six, six, seven thirty at night, and summited by we cruised in the there. dark at nine ten or something. And at that point, we were like, "You ever get that feeling where you're like you're exhausted, but we were like giddy?" Yeah, yeah. We're like this is stupid. We can see Buena Vista. We can hear a concert going yeah, on. Yeah, we were having a <laughs> summer concert festival. <laughs> we were on top of Prince at nine fifteen in the pitch dark. It was a new moon, so it was just pitch black. It was stupid. So wow. How'd we get off on that? This discussion, Mr. Karen, we're way off trail. We're on the wrong path, the talk is starting to derail. The convo is now in the wrong basin, and we're totally off route. 
So let's get it back to the mountain that this podcast is all about. Anyway. Yeah, that was just that's one of the stupid days of I don't know, I'd still rather do that again than do Little Bear Blanca and Ellingwood from the desert in Lake Como in a day. <laughs> But but it was actually kind of nice because there was a full moon and I was hiking up Lake Como Road and I wasn't wearing a jacket and it was 2 a.m. So it wasn't cold. If you go during the day, it must be super hot to hike up that road. And then you have all the UTVs with all the dust. You're breathing in dust and exhaust and all kinds of stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I guess that's the point. But you didn't go up the hourglass, did you? I didn't go up the hourglass. I went up the northwest face. Which is like... Is that the black hand route? Yes. That's the face you see from Lake Como. Yeah. (laughs) That's an amazing feat. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, I haven't done the hourglass. I think the reason we decided to do that is two reasons. One, because it was Labor Day and we thought the hourglass might be crowded with people picking rocks. And also because the Northwest face route overlaps with the Traverse the first down climb in the traverse is the up climb of the Northwest face. So you would up climb something before down climbing it, Smart. which makes the down climb easier. But in the end though, that down climb wasn't actually that hard compared to other stuff later in the traverse. So I don't think it was necessarily better than the hourglass. I think either hourglass or black hand are both perfectly good. Was and had your partner done this before, or was was this their first time as well? It was like her third fourteener. <laughs> you did wow. the black hand route as a third. That's a terrible advice. She's <laughs> just a really good rock climber, though. Ah, she did yeah. way better than her. Yeah. Disclaimer. <laughs> and so, Josh, kind of like that guy that did Capital as his person. Well, that's true. Yeah, that's that <laughs> bad. She's listened to all our episodes. It's kind of cool. <laughs> Way to throw that one back on him. That's good. <laughs> and so you went up the hourglass, Josh? Yeah, I, I took a kind of a different approach. I, you know, I didn't do it two days after Crestwood on Lake Como. I hiked up, I camped. <laughs> and then the next morning we got up early and uh, did the hourglass. Um, not many people that day. I think we were the only ones on the traverse that day, actually, too. Hourglass, I, you know. For me, I love that type of climbing. There's a fixed rope up there. I didn't even touch it. I didn't, I didn't trust it. I'm glad, you know, I'm kind of glad I didn't have to go back down the hourglass. I think that may, may be a little bit tricky. Uh, but going up the, the hourglass was, was exciting for sure. So. And so then what, do you remember your times on this traverse from uh, Blue Blanca? This one was four hours and I wasn't like going particularly slow. Like that's about as fast as I would ever go. It's just a really long scramble. Like yeah. I think four hours is kind of a reasonable and maybe, maybe slightly slow, but not crazy time for other people to expect to. In that traverse, it's so, it's just a, such an exciting traverse for me. It was, it's like a, you know, one obstacle course after the next obstacle and, the exposure's epic. Um, you know, you're just totally exposed. I, I recommend, you know, if you're going to do a traverse like that, for me, do it in the fall when you don't have to worry about monsoon, um, have a lot of time, you know, because that is a long, it's a long traverse. It's a long day. 
Were, were either of you with someone who had done it before? At least had a, no. had a guide or knew no. the rope? Wow. I had two climbing partners that day. It was, it was our first ones, the first one there. Um, I tell you, the, the thing about Little Bear for me, that part, that catwalk, was probably the most freaky thing, you know, for me as far as exposure goes. You know, it, to me, it blew away um, Capitol Peak. Huh. That was the most exposure. I mean, I sat there, you know, we, we got to the catwalk. I was, I was up first and I'm sitting there and I'm looking at it and I had to kind of force myself to go because it was almost to the point where I was like, I may turn around and, and I just started going across it. And for me, it, it, that part freaked me out. Out of all the traverses, that was the most, you know, exposed for me. Have you done uh, Aeolus? No, I haven't done that. No. You haven't done the catwalk on Aeolus yet. Okay. No. Ellen, have you done the catwalk on Aeolus? No, Chicago Basin is one of the group that I have left. Gotcha. Because, yeah, train was run this year. Yeah. How long is that section? Is it as long as the knife edge on Capitol? Is it super short? Yeah, it's it's not as long as the – it's definitely not as long as Capitol. I, I don't know. What, what do you think, Ellen? Maybe about 20 feet? Maybe 30 feet. I haven't done Capitol yeah. yet, so I can't compare. But yeah. I didn't actually find that the catwalk was the hardest or scariest part because I thought the catwalk was kind of okay because, I mean, compared to the knife edge on, on the Crestones Traverse, which is like two inches wide, this one was like a foot or two wide, so it felt mm. pretty stable. On the Little Bear Blanca Traverse, this might depend on like specifically what moves you go for, but there felt like there's a lot of places where you had to like hang on to the side of a like 80 degree slope. And there's like, and just like traverse and hug across it. That those were pretty difficult, especially in hiking boots. And how's the rock on that one in comparison to the other traverses? Um, I think it was pretty good. Uh, at least I, I don't, it's not as solid as Crestone, but it's, it's not as loose as the bells. It's it's good. And did you do Ellingwood uh, Point? Ellingwood Point to the same day. Yeah. And then back down Lake Como in one day. Yeah. <laughs> what were your stats on that trip? How many miles and how much elevation? Um, seventeen miles. I think uh, seventy-three hundred elevation, and it took. Let's see. 2 a.m. to 9 p.m. That's <laughs> that is brutal. Yeah. 19 hours. And, and, four, and the four hours were on that just the one, just the ridge section. Blanca to Little Bear. Huh. Yeah. See, I went to, I, we, we traversed to Ellingwood Point, too. And we got up there and a, kind of an electrical storm came in. Oof raise the hair on our arms we could feel you know see the electricity in our hands you know so we ran on uh, started to hail but we got that was about a 16 hour day for us when we got back to our camp so i couldn't even imagine that's just like like, like, 16 miles you're already four miles up in lake como from yeah high point on lake como road so that's a big day from lake como lake uh, yeah, I don't know how Ellen did it. That's crazy. Did you drive back to Frisco then? 
Yeah, I drove back to Frisco and it's a three hour drive and it took me like six hours because I kept having to pull over and nap. She's superhuman. I think we need to take notes from Alan. That's I can I can send you a trip report of the guy that did the three from the bottom without the traverse, just going all the way back down to Lake Como. So that's the four, right? We talked about the four. Yeah. Should we do some comparing and comparing? Yeah. Now? What do you think? The easiest first, or what would yeah. you recommend that people that are doing the traverses? Would you say do the Wilson traverse first? Yeah, Wilson's definitely the easiest, um, but. Also, the climbing isn't necessarily that much different than other class fours like Pyramid. So basically, just be familiar, uh, comfortable on class four before you do the other three, not necessarily having to do Wilson first. How would you rank them, easiest to hardest? Ellen, you first. And, and you can uh, well, objective, however you want to rank Receive it. rank, yeah, hardest. Uh, Wilson's definitely the easiest, and Little Bear Blanca is definitely the hardest. And then between uh, Crestones and the Bells, uh, they're pretty close, and it also depends on what your criteria are. If you're uh, including the total length and exertion needed to do it from the trailhead, then Crestones is harder. And if you're only talking about the traverse part and the difficulty of the climbing and how dangerous it is, the Bells is definitely harder climbing and more dangerous. Yeah, also, like, if, if you did camp at Cottonwood Lake, and if you're saying the day is just doing the Crestones Traverse, then that would be less exertion or about the same as the Bells. That's, that's how I'd do it. I'm just saying it's harder because it's like more, it's like 2,000 more elevation gain. How would you rank them, Josh? Uh, I'll rank mine. I, I'm going to rank mine like as far as dangerous, in my opinion. Um, easiest, I would go with El, El Diente Wilson. Um, the next, I would go with Little Bear Blanca, actually. Really? Uh, I shouldn't have been saying that the Bells is more dangerous than the Crestones. And then I would go with the Crestones. And then I would go with the Maroon Bells as being the most dangerous. But that's how, that's how I, would, how I loose, feel. Because of loose rock on the Bells? I, I cannot stand loose rock. I mean. So you didn't, you didn't think Blanca and Little Bear was too hard then, I guess? I mean, it, it's a, to me, it's a very physical day. Um, I just felt like. I didn't really feel like there was much danger in it. I felt like it was just it was very exposed, but I felt like the rock was solid. You know, you had you know plenty of a, a space to to get across. I just don't know. I, you know, even on accidents, you know, and I don't know. I don't know the stats, but I just don't feel like there as there as many accidents on that traverse as the others. You know, when you like the maroon bells and the crest stones. I think it's interesting too how the the conditions on that particular day can affect our um, the way we look back on that day. You know, like you had you had ice on the bells for your traverse, and it sounds like with the exception of the electrical storm, you had a pretty seamless day on the Little Bear Blanca. It's um, and we we talk about that too. Like the you know my experience on Capitol was completely flawless, and Chris got stuck in a lightning storm, and so we perceive the difficulty on those completely differently as as we look back. Yeah. Yeah, I was I was gonna say earlier, like if you're doing the traverses other than Wilson, like try to have really good weather so that you don't have to worry about being off by noon and you can just take your time and enjoy it. It's probably gonna take longer than you think. 
Like there's a limited number of days with perfect weather in the summer. And if you have anywhere to spend those days, the Traverse would be a good place to do it. Be fit. You've got to be physically fit. And if you don't feel right physically or mentally, don't do it. Yeah. You should like give yourself permission to quit after the first peak or even earlier if needed. It's just still a success if you climb one 14er. That's a good, that's a good philosophy. What was your mental state like going into these? Cause you know, we, when we did the Wilson Traverse, we had a backup plan. And when I did Creston Peak and Needle, the Traverse was actually our plan B. So you kind of go into it with these points to allow yourself to bail if you need to. Did you guys kind of have those backup plans in your mind or were you hell bent on doing the Traverse for all of these? Um, well, like, like I said, for the bells, it was almost like 50-50 whether I was even going to do the traverse. I was going to like see how it looked when I got there. So I was definitely having a plan A or B of just going back over. For the others, I planned on doing the traverse. But if, it had, if anything had gone wrong or if I got sketched out, I would have been okay with um, skipping it, I guess. For me... You know, I didn't have a plan B. It was, it was, you're going to go and you're going to do it. That's how my, my mindset was back then. It's different today, obviously. If, if I, if I could go back in time with the Crestone Traverse, I would have quit on Crestone Peak because I wasn't feeling right that day, but pushed it, you know, going down Crestone Needle, we knew we were off track. I was tired. I didn't want to backtrack and resummit and then find the right spot. And, you know, that whole day, I just mentally, I wasn't right. And I should have quit after Crestone Peak. So it's very important that you have, you mentally have a backup plan, like, you know, Ellen and, and you all, and, you know, make sure that you feel good enough to, to be able to complete them. Summit fever is a real thing. I mean, I struggle with that. Yeah. More so on these traverses than on just regular peaks, it's really important to have that contingency plan, not only laid out, but then also come to terms with it in your mind of like, you know, if you're like me and you don't summit a peak when you're out there setting out to do it, I have a hard time with that. I'm not one of the people that can be like, oh, just a nice day out in the mountains. Like, that's just not how my brain works. And so I have to almost run through that scenario in my head of, okay, if I do bail, be okay with it. And I think from what it sounds like, even more so for these traverses than a regular peak by itself. So in yeah. terms of, you know, we've talked about which one's most dangerous, most scary. What's your favorite? Do you have one that sticks out as, as the best or, or your favorite? Or favorite section? Again, mm-hmm. you talked about that head wall, the last part of the Creston Knobby Traverse. So, so my, my, favorites, my, my favorite is actually Little Bear Blanca. Overall, I, that is my that's my all time favorite traverse. But I, second would probably be the Crestones because I really like that climbing up that head wall, um, that exposure to the back, just kind of you know, f- kind of free climbing up. I like that. But Little Bear Blanca was so much fun. The same question when you're talking about Ellen described why she would always go South Maroon, North Maroon. Can you go Blanca to Little Bear? Or is it just as bad? I'm not sure, but like I didn't really see a lot that would make much difference. It seems like you could do the opposite. Um, Roach said to do it in a little bit of Blanca. I don't really know why. This is, you don't have to go down the hourglass, at least. Yes. Yeah. 
You wouldn't go down the, the north face of the Black Hand route either. So maybe it's the down climb that makes that. But but the way you described the Maroon Bells, you said the climbing is a lot easier south to north. Yeah, and I actually did see a party going down the other way with ropes. So I don't like I don't really know why they chose to do that, but people do it apparently. <laughs> I think that's the one from what I've read that gets done the most both ways. Is it Little Bear Blanca? Uh, no, uh, the Bell's Traverse. At least from what I've seen, it's totally anecdotal, but... You need to go down like 280 feet of suck. Well, you do that to yourself. <laughs> oh, sorry, I interrupted your thought, Ellen. What was your question? I got, yeah, off, highlights. I got off route. Your favorite section, your oh. favorite traverse overall. I would probably say Little Bear Blanca, too. Um, because it was such a... It was a good challenge, and like a sense of accomplishment at the end and also bells for the same reason. Cause they were both like really challenging to me, uh, given my experience at that time. It's like something that I wasn't really sure that I had the ability to do, but then it was actually fun when I did it. That kind of is like back to the guy, author of halfway to heaven, you know, the, the saying about it, it's, it's great to be shot at it and missed and you feel like you've dodged a bullet and really feel accomplished. Yeah. Is, is that what you think? That, you're reflecting back now that because little bear Blanca was the most or dangerous and most exposed, you feel like you're most accomplished. And that, is that why you're remembering it as the best? I guess um, it's, it's that class, what's it called? Class two fun or oh, type two fun. Type yeah. two, what's the best fun during the climb and what's the best type two fun when you're remembering it? Maybe that's a different question. I think the bells was probably the best fun when I was doing it. Um, they were all type one fun though. Yeah, I think Bells is kind of nice because there's a there's a, a sequence of difficult like climbing moves and challenging and fun climbing moves without like a lot of um, other irrelevant stuff in between. And so let's let's recap some of the advice we would give listeners though. Ellen, you do a lot of research judging by your trip reports. You've read a lot of rude descriptions on 14ers.com, but read a lot of trip reports. So first, yeah, be prepared. Second, I think we've talked about the weather. The weather is always a factor. You need at least three hours on all these traverses of good weather because you really can't bail except maybe on some parts of the Wilson Traverse. Uh, I think third, third piece of advice I think I've heard was start with the Wilson Group Traverse. I think it is the easier one. What else would we add to that list? Don't go solo because <laughs> the route finding is hard. And having a partner can help. And if you get in trouble, having a partner can help. Say so carry um, extra food. You know. Yeah, that was my mistake. Water. You know, a satellite device. If you get if you get in a situation. Yeah, because that saved your life. You had a you had a spot, or what? What did you have? Well, I actually I had a um, a Garmin, but it it broke on the way down. Nice. I, I had cell phone coverage. But I've got a new garment, so I do carry that everywhere. And do you have a spot or a garment or a GPS, Ellen? I don't. Um, I will think about getting one before the next summer, though. <laughs> Heard a lot of good things. Where did this idea of the four great traverses come from? Did Roach invent this, or has it just kind of been in the consciousness forever? Roachism. Is it a Roachism? I think so. Because I would put Harvard Columbia just as worse as some of the 
a great traverse in the Sawatch Range. I don't know what else other ridges you could you could count. What about the saw the sawtooth. <laughs> sawtooth. Cat, capital <laughs> Snowmass. <laughs> the, yeah. The Devil's the, the, back yeah. the Devil's Ridge. Hey, what else could you count? Sawtooth is a good one. These are the not so great or average traverses. These are the not the top four, but the. There was a thread top about this. <laughs> Grays to Tories. How about uh, Grays and Tories? Yeah. Gross to South Gross. Yeah, there you go. So, yeah. Red cloud sunshine. There you go. So that's a connecting ridge. Yeah. yeah. A little easier. I don't think we could do a whole podcast on that. Oxford Belford. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I mean, if you did uh, Oxford to Missouri by the ridge between Oxford and Missouri, that would be yeah. great. That would be, that's be the epic. route that those uh, Nolan's 14 people do. They run up that bad side of Missouri. Have you, yeah. have you read uh, Roach's description of that east ridge on Missouri? He talks about how it's like broken dinner plates sitting on marbles. And he's like, <laughs> this route is re- reserved for this author's nightmares or something like that. Like, it's like a horrific description it totally deterred me from it yeah listen missouri is very fun if you do it in the spring and go up the north face couloirs yeah we did the sea couloir yeah yeah that's that's the best way to do missouri in my opinion i just i did it the normal way but it was right after a big september snow and i was coming down at sunset it was really beautiful that's cool Did cool. you do all three of those in one day too? Belford, Oxford, Missouri. Yeah. I said that as a. I did not. Go <laughs> away. No Here's what some people said on a thread: Arapahoe Traverse, Trinity's Traverse. I don't know what that is. Apostles, Ten Mile Traverse, Helen to Crystal, Capital to Snowmass, Fletcher to Atlantic. Those are other people's ideas of ter- uh, great traverses. Quandary. Mm-hmm. Thanks for looking that up. Those are some good ones. So if you listen to the podcast for very long, you know I love this question. I stole it from Tim Ferriss, one of my favorite podcasters. Uh, you don't have to answer immediately, but give us some thought. If you had a billboard to put at the base of I-70 or at the base of 285, with one brief message to everybody that you, you know, you knew everybody that was going for one of the four great traverses was going to read this billboard. What would you have it say? This is a billboard that everyone driving our I-70 is going to see, but it's only talking about the four great traverses. Yeah. Don't overthink it. It's, it's that's the target <laughs> audience is the four great traverses people. Uh, know the route, map it out. Go through the exercise of making a map of your route so that you actually know it. That could even be a jingle. That rhymes. Know the route and map it out. Keep people, keep people, say, people, be prepared, be in shape, and make sure you're aware of the beauty that, that surrounds you. I love that. Thanks for listening, everybody. And as always, be safe out there. Uh, take what we say with a grain of salt. This is purely just anecdotal. It's our experience. Um, so you're always on your own in the mountains make your own decisions make good decisions be like Alan and be super well researched and uh, most importantly have fun